Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read a few verses there, and I'm sure we've all heard this probably a million times. Um, More than focusing on the entire passage. I want to focus on one line, but let's read it for context. Jesus, he's... He's talking to a group of people, and he's giving them directions. We're we're going to break this down over the next 20-something minutes, but picking it up in verse 7, Jesus is speaking. If you're there, can you say amen? amen? Jesus says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then. Like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And let us not, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Beautiful prayer that Jesus modeled for us and I want us to focus on verse 10. On verse 10, Jesus said, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. I want this to be kind of like the base scripture for this series as we think about what God wants to do in and through this church. Let that be our prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Today, as we start this series and gear up for Heart for the House, December 11th. I want to start the series with this message that I've titled, Heaven is Here. Heaven is Here. Why don't you turn around to three, four people and tell them, do you know? Heaven is here. Heaven is here. By the way, it was good to see my sister worship up here today. I was a proud brother. She's single and... Uh, Woman of God, woman of God, honestly. I love her. Um, let's pray. <laughs> let's pray. We'll talk about Jesus, not my sister, for a little bit. And um, then we'll worship some more, and my sister will come up here. And uh, by the way, how good is our new worship song? So good. The song came out Friday, and uh, they, the team also released a music video that they recorded, which was awesome. Swanee wrote the song, which was absolutely amazing. Isabel did an incredible job to sing it. And uh, Kevin, I don't know if he's here, did an incredible job with the music video and just awesome. I mean, I helped Swanee write it, but I, it's all Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for your good grace and your love. Thank you for this 1 p.m. What a day it's been in spite of the weather, in spite of the rain. Uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you that your church still shows up strong and with faith and leaning in to worship you, acknowledge you, love you. And uh, thank you for loving us, God. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But you've been so good and kind to people like us. Thank you for this church, people that have been connected all day long, people that have shown up. Thank you for this household of faith. God, speak to us as we speak about heaven is here. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, all of Calvary says. Amen. Oh, come on, all of Calvary says. Amen. 
Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Just a, just a couple of weeks ago, Elon Musk um, walked into the San Francisco headquarters of Twitter with a sink, uh, and he was implying, making a joke, that he was about to become the owner of the social media platform. Within 24 hours, Elon did close and finalize the deal, and he became the new owner of Twitter when he bought it for $44 billion. $44 billion billion dollars. Now, stories have come out since then, and there have been all kind of news of what's happened, but supposedly within the first 24 to 48 hours of Elon becoming the owner, he fired the CEO, he fired the CFO, he fired some of the top Twitter executives. I mean, he's started to make all kind of changes on Twitter. Uh, within, I think, a week or two after, he... Uh, Basically, let go, released, fired over 3,000 employees, uh, cutting, uh, cutting the, the task force by more than half. And so there's been all kind of uproar because of that as well. And he says it's a move he needed to make because the company was losing $4 million a day. Another thing that he did is that since 2020, a lot of people have been working from home. And Elon said, well, that's, that's already gone. I need everybody to work from the office. And so he required employees to show up at the office and start working from the office as of a couple of weeks ago, I believe. And if you didn't want to work from the office, you also could go find another job, <laughs> right? And so, again, a lot of changes that Elon has made. I I'm not bringing this up for us to argue this week whether we think Elon is right or wrong. Like, that's cool. We can debate that all day long. But, but I'm bringing that up as an example to show that when new leadership or when a new order comes in, or a new system begins, decisions have to be made. And changes will happen. Changes will have to happen. And so we see that even with Elon and Twitter, all kind of new orders have had to happen. An old way of doing things has had to go, and a new way of living has had to come in. The old is gone. The new is here. The new is here. When we talk about heaven on earth, as today as we're starting this series, heaven on earth, heaven is here. I, I want to begin by saying that the kingdom of God is breaking into earth. And I want us to think about that. I want us to realize that, that the kingdom of God is slowly but surely invading planet earth. It is breaking in. It's all throughout scripture. The kingdom of heaven is coming down on earth. And the kingdom of God is something that we find all throughout the biblical narrative from Genesis to Revelation. You will find the story or the overarching theme of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And it's coming down on earth. It's a new way of thinking. It's a new way of doing life. It's a new way of forgiving. It's a new way of loving. It's a new system. It's a new order. And we'll talk about the kingdom of God in just a moment, but I want to tell you that when something new comes in, decisions do have to be made. And today, I think some of us, we need to make some decisions in our life. In fact, I simply stated, I put it this way, changes require changes. Changes require change. Can we say that together? Changes require changes. When there are any type of changes in life, it's going to require a change in us. 
right? If a man has been living as a single man for a long time and he decides to get married, finds a spouse, when he gets married, he cannot continue living as a single man. Otherwise, he'll be single again real quick, right? A change in life requires a change in your life. Me and Diana, pretty soon we'll be having a baby in our hands, God willing, and that's going to be a change. And so we started to prepare for the change in life. And so you got to buy a baby car seat, and you got to buy a crib, and you got to prepare a room. Change requires change. Change requires change. As I think about the kingdom of heaven invading earth, heaven is here. It requires a change in you and I. Maybe today it's a change of attitude. Maybe today it's a change of perspective. Maybe today it's a change in the way we talk. It's, it's a change in the way we think. It's our outlook, our perspective in life. It's, it's the way we forgive and love one another. Today, maybe some of us, we need a change in our attitude. Maybe today, some of us, we need to change in, in our way of thinking about life, in the way of thinking about our neighbors. Today, our change is going to require change. Will you be a selfish person or will you be a selfless person? Will you be a person who holds grudges or will you be a person who forgives? Will you be a person who brings heaven on earth or a person who just continues to live on earth as if this is the only kingdom we live for? Heaven on earth. When the kingdom of God invades earth, as it is happening already, changes will happen. In fact, I believe that the gospel that we believe, the gospel that we preach, every single time we preach it, every single time the kingdom advances, changes happen on earth. I mean, when we talk about heaven on earth, earth has to change. The atmosphere has to change because the presence of God shows up. And when the presence of God shows up, the power of God shows out. Oh, anytime we gather together and the presence of God shows up, you better believe that change has to happen. Oh, I've been in atmospheres where the presence of God shows up and people are be set free. I've been in places where the presence of God shows up and all of a sudden people find freedom, people find deliverance, people find healing. Anybody thankful for the presence of God? When we gather and we worship, when we stir the atmosphere, I believe that God shows up. The Bible says he delights in the praises of his people. And so when we preach, when we worship, when we gather, something happens. Heaven on earth happens. And immediately changes begin to happen. Anytime Jesus showed up all throughout the gospel, wherever he walked, changes began to happen. In people, people were convicted. People were free. People were healed. People were now found direction because Jesus showed up in the building. And so when the gospel shows up, heaven on earth begins to happen. I grew up in church, and maybe you're like me. I grew up in Spanish church. I'm born and raised in Hialeah. And uh, any Hialeah people in the house? Three of us. And growing up in a Spanish church, we used to sing this song, Jesus está pasando por aquí. Jesus está pasando por aquí. Y cuando él pasa, todo se transforma. The faces from up here are hilarious. Some people. <laughs> the song basically is saying when Jesus showed up, 
everything has to change. Everything is transformed. I don't know about you, but I can just speak from experience. When Jesus showed up in my life, he fixed my thoughts. He healed me. He saved me. He delivered me. He changed my way of thinking. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was sick, but now I'm healed. I was dead, but now I'm alive. Anybody thankful that when Jesus showed up, oh, he rearranged everything. He transforms your life. He makes all things new. Somebody give God a praise. Come on, Calvary. Oh, heaven on earth. Heaven is here. Yesterday, when we went down to Homestead, it wasn't just showing up with bounce houses so that kids could play in and get sweaty and musty. It was to tell the city, heaven is here. There's a God who loves you. There's a God who hasn't forgotten about you. You might have left your country. You might feel alone, but heaven is here. You're not forgotten. You're not alone. God is for you. God is with Come on, that's the God that I serve. We take heaven wherever we go and transformation happens. In fact, I put it this way. A transformed heart experiences a taste of heaven. When you let change happen in you, when you let the gospel take root in your heart and you begin to get a transformed heart, you get a taste of what heaven is like. Amen. Let's talk about this a little bit further because maybe we're a little bit confused on what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God or another translation is the kingdom of heaven is all throughout scripture. Kingdom in the Greek, it's the Greek word basileo and it literally means God's dominion or God's rule. In other words, it's not a territory, but it's a domain. It's not a territory, but it's a domain. And what it means is God's people living in God's presence under God's rule. Are you following along so far? The kingdom of God shows up when we live under his rule and we submit to his authority. When we start to live out the gospel, the kingdom of God is there. Heaven on earth. And so a lot of us, we think that heaven is paradise. And I, I just get frustrated sometimes because I think that so many Christians, we're just waiting for one day to get to heaven. And we miss out on heaven on earth. God didn't save you just to get you to heaven when you die. God saved you to bring heaven on earth while you're alive. This is why he saved us. We have a purpose. We have a calling. We have giftings. God has, he has engineered you and wired you in a way to bring heaven on earth. Some of you, you can preach. Some of you can teach. Some of you are lawyers and doctors and musicians. And some of you write lyrics. Like I wrote this lyrics of this new song. Some of you, not like you're doctors. Some of you are like just incredibly gifted. And it's not just to have a gift to waste time on earth, but it's to bring heaven down on earth to say, God, help me show people your kingdom and your glory. Amen. And so as Christians, like, I just refuse to play that game. Let's sit back, sing kumbaya, and wait until we die. But let's show up on earth and not just be in our city, but before our city, showing heaven on earth. That's why he gifted us. This is why he called us, not to take up space, but to invade space with heaven. And so the kingdom of God is all throughout scripture. Just in the New Testament alone, it's mentioned over a hundred times. The kingdom of God or, or the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus wasn't talking about a place that we go to after we die. He was talking about the here and now. In fact, Jesus knew that his audience, they, they understood Hebrew scriptures, meaning the Old Testament. Most of them by the age of eight or nine had to have it memorized. 
And so when Jesus talks to them about the kingdom of God, they automatically, oh, yeah, for sure. We've been waiting on the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven all throughout our centuries. And so Jesus, he begins to talk about the kingdom of heaven from the moment he starts preaching. And some of them are like, well, if you're the Messiah, I want to see the kingdom right now. Let's go up into Jerusalem, get in the palace, and you sit on the throne and be our king if you really bring the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven is a physical aspect in one sense, but, but it's spiritual as well. They were waiting for Jesus to come and basically, in our terms, be president now. We're going to run your campaign. You're going to get all the, we're going to make sure it's not stolen. We're going to make sure, I'm kidding. That's, that divides the audience immediately. I'm kidding. We're going to run your campaign, get elected, and you become the president of our nation. Are you following along? And no longer under we, un, are we under the rule of Roman Empire. Now, Jesus, if you're the king of God, if you're the son of God, then be our king. Yeah. And Jesus is like, you're missing out the point. The kingdom of God is not that it's going to come and I'm going to set up a throne. The kingdom of God is already here. Look what Jesus says, Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered them. The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, right? Nor will they say, look, here it is. Remember, he's talking to a people who've been looking for this, searching for this. And he's like, you're waiting for a palace and a throne. And look, there it is. Let's go to basically the White House. And look at Jesus sitting in the Oval Office. Verse 21, nor will they say, look, here it is. Therefore, behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom of God, it's in the midst of you. Jesus says the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is among you. Heaven is not a place we go to. Heaven is a place we already belong to. It's in our midst. Come on, Calvary, today we got to realize heaven is already here. I wonder if we've been living on earth, missing out on heaven. Our minds have been so consumed with earthly things that we miss out on the heavenly things that God wants to do in the here and now. And I want you to pay attention to me, church, and I wish I said this in every service, but we cannot waste time arguing, arguing over worldly things, caught up in civilian things, like Timothy says. Like, we need to be caught up in heavenly things. What God wants to do here, he wants to save, he wants to heal, he wants to deliver, God wants to move. Heaven is here. It's in your midst, is what Jesus says. It's among you. Christopher Morgan, he put it this way. He says, the kingdom of God is the rule of God over his people and his creation. It's established through, his, through the Messiah in the new covenant, which is now present in the world, though it is awaiting its fulfillment at the second coming of Christ. Okay, I want you to pay attention. This quote is so important because this is our understanding of the kingdom of heaven. and This is the way Jesus talked about it throughout scripture. Yes, the kingdom of God one day will come physically. The Bible says that Jesus is coming back to rule and reign. I believe that. You go back to the book of Revelation, I see at the end, Jesus wins. And so I don't care who won the election, at the end, I elect Jesus as king, and he's coming to rule forever and ever. He is going to one day physically rule the earth again. Basically like that, the Garden of Eden all over again. In the meantime, the kingdom of God has already started in a spiritual aspect. Scholars, Christian scholars like N.T. Wright, what they call it is already but not yet. It's a term that Christian theologians use 
when they talk about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, it's that it's already here, but not yet. It's already here in some form, but not yet fully here. Are you following along so far? The kingdom of God is already here when the gospel is preached, people are saved, people are delivered. That's the kingdom of God beginning to spread out all over the earth. But it's not fully yet here. One day it will be, but right now it's starting. Jesus talking about the kingdom of heaven when they were asking him, what is the kingdom of heaven like? He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Mustard seed, you can't even see it, it's tiny. He says, you sow it into the ground, but over time it becomes a massive tree. And it has many, many branches. And it says, the birds will come and be perched up on the branches. And it will give shade to those who are under it. The kingdom of God is beautiful. The kingdom of heaven, heaven on earth, it's already here. And like a tree, it's taken root. It's grown up. It's covering the earth today. Over 2 billion people call Jesus Lord. And people like you and I are sitting under the tree getting some shade. That's the kingdom of heaven on earth. Heaven is here. Jesus started the kingdom when he was born here on earth. As he died, was buried and resurrected, the kingdom of God was initiated. As Jesus says, oh, I'm I'm starting it and I'm coming back to fulfill it. Already, but not yet. And so when he's teaching about prayer, he says, I just don't want you to pray anything. I want you to understand that when you pray, you should pray something extremely important. And he gives us what to pray. When we talk about heaven on earth today, as we start, heaven is here. Let's talk about three quick things. Number one, we need to pray for heaven to come. We need to pray for heaven to come. Alex, why should we pray that? Because Jesus told us to, right? Matthew chapter six, when you pray, don't be like the Gentiles that they just give empty phrases, he says. Don't, don't, don't pray empty phrases, but you should pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Je- Jesus says we should pray that heaven would come. What does he mean? That, that we should all just die and go straight to heaven right now? No, he means let your, let your heavenly kingdom start now. That people will be saved, reached, that the lost would be found. Let your kingdom come now. Do we pray that way? Do we go home Monday through Saturday and pray, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Or I wonder if we pray prayers that really don't matter. Like sometimes we pray for things that really are not of the heavenly kingdom, they're of the earthly kingdom. See, because when Jesus says, don't be like the Gentiles that pray empty phrases, what does he mean? Well, remember, Jesus is living in a Greco-Roman world. They're under Roman authority. They're, They're living under the Roman Empire. And what he means by that phrase, when he says, don't be like the Gentiles that pray empty phrases, in the Greek, it literally means vain repetition. Jesus says, when you pray, don't give vain repetition. What does it mean? Does it mean don't just say things over and over? No, because that's good. Saying some things over and over is actually pretty good for you. And sometimes you should say some things over and over. It gets in your mind. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, the Lord endures forever. There's one chapter that says it 24 times over and over and over. That's a good prayer to pray. It's a good reminder for the soul. 
It doesn't mean just not to pray something over and over. What he means is that in this time that Jesus was living, the Gentiles will go into public squares. The Gentiles is everybody that's non-Jew. If you're not Jewish here, you would be a Gentile. Gentiles will go into public squares, out in public settings, for example, a park or a courtyard, and they would begin out loud to offer prayers up to Caesar. They were living under Roman authority. And in order for you to gain favor with the Caesar, you would offer a prayers worshiping Caesar. And so they would go up in a public square and somebody would just begin to pray, oh, Caesar, we worship you. Caesar, you're God. And people would offer up vain repetition, empty phrases. They don't have power. They can't get you any kind of heavenly favors. And you're just trying to seek favor from this kingdom. Jesus says, don't do that. We don't belong to this kingdom. We belong to a different kingdom. You and I are not here trying to gain favor from a Caesar, from a president, or from a prime minister. If I need any help, it's going to be from the God of heaven. And I pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so today, I don't look to the White House for hope. I look to his house for hope. I don't look to a president. I look to Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody. What we need is not another election debate. What we need is worshiping the true king, the only one that heals the only one that provides the only one that saves I'm tired of the church being divided over politics let's get together one kingdom one God one Lord are you hearing me church and Jesus is saying don't get on Facebook and argue about who is the true president worship Jesus and pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven wow have we prayed wrong prayers God, my candidate didn't win. I pray that they recount the votes now in the name of Jesus. And you destroy all those people that cheated in the election. And he's like, why don't you just pray your kingdom come, your will be done. We get so caught up with this kingdom that we forget his kingdom. In the meantime, heaven is here and we're missing out. Number one, pray for heaven to come. Number two, preach that heaven is coming. When I say the word preach, I just don't mean a preacher, teacher that gets up here or in any platform across any. I'm talking about the platform that you have in your life. Church, every single one of us has a platform. Every single one of us has a platform. Maybe you're like, Alex, I don't have one of these clear platforms in my room or in my office. You have a bigger platform than you can imagine. Some people will never read the Bible. The only Bible they'll read is your life. And that's the best pulpit that you can preach to your kids, to your family, to your neighbors, to your co-workers. Use your pulpit. I've known people that have been waiting their whole life to get up on a pulpit like this. In the meantime, they've never preached from their own pulpit in their own life. Today, you can preach that heaven is coming by the way that you carry yourself, love, forgive, embrace. Are we preaching the good news? Oh, all of us who are believers in Jesus, we have good news. The world's full of bad news, but we have good news. The world, they're full of negativity, faithlessness, hopelessness, but I don't know, I belong to a kingdom that has good news. Alex, but I turn on the news and it looks like a recession is coming. I know, but I got good news. Alex, but inflation, gasoline's at $7 a gallon. I know, but I got good news. Alex, a piece of sliced bread used to call me 30 cents. Now a whole bread calls me $50. I got good news.
The good news is that I was a sinner, but because of Jesus, I've been forgiven. I've been redeemed. I've been adopted. I got an inheritance. I sit with Jesus. Oh, I got good news. All of us that were lost and confused, Jesus has come to find us. Come on, we got good news. Jesus, he came preaching about the kingdom of heaven. Maybe we know Jesus about his love. We know Jesus, you know, about what he did with the adulterous woman and freed her. We know Jesus about he, how he healed the paralytic. Yeah, but he began by saying, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. We know the Jesus story. Come on, man. Somebody, some of us, we've heard it a million times. He was born in a manger. He grew up, you know, as a carpenter with his dad. They put Ikea tables together. And <laughs> then he, at the age of 30, he began his teaching ministry. We know we've. Some of us have heard this our entire life. He went off to the desert for 40 days, 40 nights. And when he comes back, what are the first words of Jesus? Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. These are literally the first words of Jesus. If he had a campaign, this is how he started his campaign. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What a campaign slogan. Jesus 2024 repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand Jesus when he comes back from the desert remember Satan tries to trick him three times and he responds with the word of God this is why we should know our Bibles as he starts getting into the public squares he starts saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand literally what it means is repent the kingdom of God is near you and you can't even recognize it and he's calling people to repentance. What does the word repentance mean? Repent, that word right there in the Greek, it means melanoia. And it means to turn around. Somebody say turn around. We, gotta, we think repentance is like a bad word or a curse word. Repent. Because we've seen people all throughout YouTube or in the downtown of large cities with big signs that say you will burn in hell. Repent. And so we hate that word. But Jesus used this word often. And what he was telling humanity is turn around. You're headed down a wrong direction. Repent. Turn around. And so he's saying you're living for Caesar. You're living for Rome. You're living for the American dollar. You're living for the American dream. That's this world's kingdom. You need to repent. Melanoia. Turn around. Go find the new direction. It's only found in Jesus. Come on. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Some of us today, you need to turn around. Somebody shout, turn around. Repent. Turn around. Melanoia. Go to God. Is your life headed in that direction? Are your thoughts headed in that direction? Is your love headed in that direction? That's the direction of heaven. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's already here. And so when we go talk to neighbors, when we're with our family this Thanksgiving, when we go to work, when we're with our kids, you can preach the gospel. And you can say, hey, heaven is coming. And it's already here. Jesus is heaven. And he brings heaven on earth. You and I, we need to use the pulpits of our life to let people know there's a new way to do life. It's the kingdom way. And so we need to pray that heaven will come. We need to pre preach that heaven is coming. And number three, we'll finish with this. We need to prove that heaven has already come. That it's already here. We need to prove it. How do we prove it? I think the way we prove it is that we need to live what we actually believe in. Church, I think something that's been happening for centuries that actually gives a bad name to the kingdom of God is that many Christians, we talk a good game, but we don't walk a good game. We preach really well, but we don't live this out really well. 
We say we love Jesus. We say we believe in Jesus, but we don't live like Jesus. We don't love like Jesus. We don't forgive like Jesus. I've known Christians that have held more grudges than you can imagine. I've known Christians that can hop, dance, shout, turn, speak in tongues, and then still go home and abuse their wives. I've known pastors that can preach really well and still get drunk every night. I've known people who are believers in Jesus who preach it really good, but live it out really poorly. I know people who are part of Dream Team and help build their local church, yet hate their neighbor and are racist and classes. Come on, if we're, we're going to preach that heaven is here, we need to begin to prove that heaven is here. We prove it by the way we live. Do, do we really love our neighbor? Let's just think about that. Come on, this, Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Some of us, we, we say we're believers in Jesus, but my God, there's more racist in the church than there is outside of the church. There's segregation in church, racism in church. I've seen classism in church. I'll never forget, I got invited somewhere and we were hanging out at this one spot grabbing a lunch. This is supposed to be a church and I'm hanging out with the church leaders. This person came and asked us for money and the look of disgust and saying, get away from us. And I can't stand people like this. It's like, wow, aren't we supposed to love like Jesus? We need to begin to prove that the kingdom is already here and the way we act and the way we pray for one another and the way we believe in one another and the way we pick up one another. Are you hearing me, church? Are you understanding me? Heaven is here. And if all we do is come here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, fill our notebooks with notes, fill our head with knowledge, but don't lift this out, it's good for nothing. It's good for nothing. For that, go to college and get all the notes you want about any topic you want because church wasn't designed to be a college class. But it was designed to be world class at changing and bringing heaven on earth. So we got to live this out. Jesus lived this out. Everywhere he went, he changed everything. In the book of Luke, there's a boy that's possessed by a demon. And obviously that still happens today. There's demonic spirits, unclean spirits that can still possess people. And it, it holds them in bondage. If you're a believer in Jesus, I don't think you could be possessed, but you can be oppressed by a demon. But, but there's people who never know Jesus and they got down some paths that they should never got into. And, and they end up possessed one way or another. And a demon literally enters their spirit. This is real and it happens. And so Jesus, he, he's confronted by a young boy who's possessed by a demon. And, and Jesus is heaven on earth. I love it. No one should be bound. No one should be a slave to an unclean spirit. No one should be in bondage. Come on, there's freedom when heaven shows up. And so Jesus prays for the young boy, and the young boy is freed. He's free. And everybody's flipping out. Oh, my God. It's like, yeah, the kingdom of heaven is here. The Pharisees, religious people, they get upset at Jesus. They always did. And they're like, oh, he did that in the name of Satan. Go read it. Luke 11, you did this in the name of Satan. Jesus is like, are you serious? Come up with a better excuse. Like, that makes no sense. I'm not going to drive out a demon by a demon. But I do it in the name of the Father. Heaven is here. And look what he says in Luke 11, verse 20. 
If it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. How do you know heaven is here? When you see demons go, when you see diseases go, when you see lives being set free, when you see marriages restored, when you see people mental health restored, when you see people far from God come near to God. Oh, come on. That's how we prove that heaven is here. When those who have nothing get provision, when those who are sick get healing, when those who are lost are now found, when the blind can see, when the lame could walk, when the dead come alive, we prove that the kingdom is here. Jesus is like, if we do this by the finger of God, then no, the kingdom of God has come near you. It's a beautiful thing. Today, as we go out of these doors today and, and we preach, heaven is here. Heaven is here. How do you know? You preach the gospel everywhere you go. You tell people about Jesus. You start talking to people on Dream Team and you hear some of their stories. And like Eddie said, he was a broken man, but now he's a whole man. Come on, that's the way that God does it. And that proves the kingdom of God is here. It's what Jesus came to do. Jesus initiated the kingdom of heaven on earth. And one day he's going to come and make it a physical thing. And he's going to rule and reign forever and ever. In the meantime, he's given the church the authority and the anointing to go out and show that heaven is here. Jesus, he, he proved this. This is one of my favorite stories. Jesus, he... He walks into a synagogue one day as he was starting his ministry. He goes into a synagogue, and I love how the Bible puts it. In Luke chapter 4, last couple of verses we'll read, verses 16 through 21. It says, and he came to Nazareth. This is where Jesus was brought up, where he was raised. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And it says that Jesus, he stood up to read. And on the scroll, the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And Jesus knew exactly what was happening. And I think that the attendant who gave him the scroll had no idea what, he, what, what was happening. But Jesus is like, I ordained this moment because I'm about to show you that heaven is here. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll. This is Jesus standing in a synagogue. Somebody hands them the scroll to read a verse in their church, kind of like what we just did here today. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written. And this is what Jesus reads out loud, the prophecy in Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Everybody looking at you. <gasps> he just read the prophecy from Isaiah. Jesus is a boss. He just reads it and sits down. Verse 21. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Hey, you know the prophet Isaiah, the one you studied since you were six, seven, eight years old? You remember that prophecy that one day a Messiah was going to come with all of heaven in him and he was going to heal the sick and he's going to free the prisoners and he's going to bring direction to the lost and he was going to free the captives? Oh, guess what? Heaven is here. 
heaven is here today. Jesus says, I am heaven. I am the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is already here. What a beautiful kingdom. You and I, that's the kingdom that we belong to. The kingdom of heaven. Heaven is here. When we gather, heaven is here. As we worship, as we preach, as souls are saved, heaven is here. Today, are you living life on earth as if it's just earth? Or do you realize, whoa, I can have heaven on earth? Let's stand up on our feet all across this place. We're leaving in just a moment. Why don't we close our eyes all across this place? If you're thankful for what Jesus did, what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do. Come on, why don't you lift up your hands and why don't you just begin to talk to him for a moment. We're leaving in a few minutes, but can you talk to Jesus this afternoon? Just tell him, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for heaven on earth. Thank you that I've been set free. I've been redeemed. I've been forgiven. I've been healed. Thank you, God, that I was broken and now I'm whole. Thank you, God, that I was blind, but now I can see. Thank you, God, that I didn't deserve your kindness and your forgiveness, but in your mercy and your grace. You forgave me, Father. You loved me, Father. You gave me hope. You gave me joy. You gave me peace when nothing else in this world can do it. You gave me peace. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, why don't you lift up your hands and begin to thank him. Father, we couldn't earn it. We couldn't deserve it, but you gave it to us in the form of your son, Jesus. And now heaven, heaven lives in us. Heaven begins to spread throughout earth and we tell humanity there's a name, a name of Jesus that it brings salvation, it brings healing, it brings deliverance, it brings life. Jesus is the only way. Heaven is here. Hallelujah. Heaven is here. There's freedom in the house. There's forgiveness where heaven shows up. There's restoration when heaven shows up. There's freedom when heaven shows up. Oh, come on, somebody. Why don't you stir it up? Lift up your hands and tell them, heaven, come down once again. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with all of heaven today. Jesus, we thank you. Oh, God, we thank you that there's freedom. We thank you that there's healing. We thank you that there's provision. We thank you that in you there's no lack. We thank you that in you we have all that we need. We thank you that in you there's restoration. There's redemption. There's adoption. There's inheritance. All the spiritual blessings. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, why don't we lift up our hands? Why don't we sing this out with all we got? Come on, let's worship the King. Hallelujah. Heaven, come fill the room. Let that be our prayer each and every single day. Heaven, fill the room. Fill our houses, fill our hearts, fill our lives, fill our relationships. Heaven, fill the room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're about to go, and I know we're a little bit over time, but I just sense in my heart that there's some people in here that today that you don't feel like heaven has filled your life. And what I'm really sensing is from, there's some people that you feel like darkness has filled your life. And I just can't shake the word darkness from my heart. There's some people you're battling in darkness. I don't know if it's fear. I don't know if it's negative thinking 
but it's a demonic oppression that's over your life. He wants to free you today and heaven wants to fill your life. We're going to pray that in Jesus' name, that heaven fills your life today. Maybe you came from an occult background. Maybe you've dabbled in some stuff you shouldn't have. Maybe you've just led yourself by your thinking into a really dark place in your life. And today is like if you can't see the light, the Bible says we pray and so that the scales of the eyes may fall and the light of Christ may shine through. With every eye closed, every head bowed, nobody looking around, if that's you, can you raise your hand? We'd love to pray for you. Today you're saying there's darkness, there's darkness, and I need to see the light of Jesus. In fact, why don't you do me a favor, raise both hands right there where you're at. We've got pastors that are going to walk around the room and they're going to lay a hand on your shoulder and pray for you. If today you're saying, I need the light of Jesus, I feel like I've been walking in darkness, raise your hand here to my left. There's a couple of people with their hands raised. Raise it up as high as you can. We've got pastors and leaders walking around. Awesome. Raise your hand to receive heaven today. I really believe that the Holy Spirit is here. I believe that heaven is here. Today there's freedom for you. You're not going home the same in Jesus' name. Praying that the Holy Spirit will fill you today with his joy, with his hope, with his love, with his mercy, with his grace. And where darkness has wanted to set up a stronghold, some oppression, where he's wanted to cloud your vision, we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. Come on, church, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that today your light will shine in every soul, in every heart. Today that has their hands raised and is asking today for freedom and healing in the name of Jesus. We pray today, God, that you would pierce through the darkness of hearts and souls. And where there's been discouragement, where there's been fear, where there's been negative toxic thinking, where the enemy has wanted to set up a stronghold, be set free today in the name of Jesus. Be set free. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord, you rebuke the enemy. The Lord rebuke you. And Father, you, you begin to invade. Heaven begins to invade. They're thinking, their hearts, their spirits, their minds. In the name of Jesus, come on, lift up your hand. Holy Spirit, fall upon them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. In the name of Jesus, we declare that the light of Jesus will shine. We declare that the gospel of Jesus, we declare that the good news will pierce through the darkness in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray that the light will pierce through. Darkness has to go in the mighty name of Jesus. Fear has to go in the name of Jesus. If you're bound and captive, be set free in the mighty name of Jesus. If you've been a prisoner from today on, we declare you are free in the name of Jesus. Be set free. Be set free. Be set free as heaven comes down. Be set free in your mind. Be set free in your heart. And we pray that joy would fill them. We pray that your love would fill them. We pray that your Holy Spirit would fill them. In the mighty name of Jesus, that heaven would fill your heart, that heaven would fill your mind, that heaven would fill your thinking in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Heaven come down. Thank you, Jesus. If you still haven't been prayed for, keep your hands raised. Pastors are walking around the room. Keep your hands praised. But every eye closed and every head bowed. If you're here today, finishing with one last prayer. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if you're saying, Alex, this is my first time here, second time here, 
Maybe you've been coming for a while and you have no idea who God is. You feel distant from God. You feel far from God. I'm going to tell you, he loves you so, so much. It's not a coincidence that you're here or that you're watching. I believe that God ordained this moment. The Bible says that every single one of us were sinners. We've all done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong, and our sin separates us from God. God is love, but God is holy, and he can't be with sin. You and I, we've been separated from God because of our sin. But the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, so that whosoever believes in him will not die but have everlasting life. Our sin should have killed us. It should have eternally separated us from God, but God in his loving kindness sent Jesus. Jesus came and he grabbed my sin, your sin. The Bible says that Jesus carried the sins of the world on his shoulders. He went up on a cross and he paid the ultimate price for sin. Sin has a heavy price, it's called death. Our sin should have killed us, but Jesus says, I'll lay my life down so that you can have full life, eternal life. Jesus died on that cross as he paid the penalty for sin for all of humanity. He went down in a grave, he was dead for three days, but the Bible says that after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. Jesus, he's alive, and today he's offering peace, hope, forgiveness of sins. He's offering a brand new beginning and a brand new start. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, as we're praying, we're leaving in just a minute. If that's you, if you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus. I feel far from God. I know I got sin in my life. Today, I need forgiveness of my sins. That's what the blood of Jesus did. It makes us clean. If today you're saying, I need eternal life. I want security with God. I want a relationship with God, my creator. You can have that today. With every eye closed, every head bowed, nobody looking around. If that's you, at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm just going to see who I'm praying for, and then you can put it right back down. If you're saying, I need forgiveness, I need a brand new beginning, I need a brand new start, I'm tired of living in sin. Today, I need forgiveness. At the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. If you're saying, today, I need forgiveness. Today, I need Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. God bless you. Awesome. God bless you. Amazing. You can put your hands back down. Come on, let's say a simple prayer. If you raise your hand, I want you to say this prayer with me, with everything that you got. In fact, the whole church, let's say this out loud. Repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Oh, come on, 1 p.m., can we celebrate Jesus? Come on, he's a good God. Come on, he's a good, good God. Hands went up in the auditorium. If you made that decision to follow Jesus, okay, here we go. We got a gift for you. And uh, outside, thank you, Lolo. That's a future pastor right there. And uh, if you raise your hand, we got a gift for you outside and no strings attached. We don't want anything from you. We want to come alongside of you and say, we love you. We're here for you. Pick up this gift that has a coffee mug. It has a Calvary notebook. It has a little card for me and Anna welcoming you to the family. A free coffee voucher from Circle Cafe. We also have a free Bible in here. And so it's absolutely free, seriously. And just passed by, I want to give it to you. I want to make sure you go home with this in your hands. We love you, church. Come on, heaven on earth. It begins with us. Heaven is here.
Let's live that way, amen? Let's live that way this week. Give somebody a hug, a high five next to you. Let's sing this out one more time. It's your breath in our lungs. Father, we love you. We thank you. Go before us this week. God, let your glory shine upon our face. We pray that you go before us, behind us, and surround us in your love, your mercy, and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.